Haunicon. 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 You're listening to Haunicon Podcast, highlighting citizen Potawatomi Nation issues, members, and more. Please subscribe to us on your favorite podcast platform. Just search Haunicon Podcast. Thanks for tuning in. I'm your host, Paige Willett. In this episode, we'll hear about the Potawatomi Fire, CPN's new professional basketball team. We'll also talk to two tribal members, one who self-published their first comic book, and another who took us on their epic adventure hiking to the top of Mount Whitney along the High Sierra Trail in California's Sequoia National Park. Tribal member Lane Lincecum is an artist from Madison, Wisconsin. The Bertrand family descendant recently graduated with a Bachelor of Fine Arts in Printmaking from the Minneapolis College of Art and Design and created a comic book titled Flyover as their final project. Hanukkah writer Mary Bell Zook recently talked with Lincecum about comic books as art and the inspiration for Flyover, which centers on a tribal member learning traditional Potawatomi tales and lessons in a post-apocalyptic world. I am very impressed with just how it's all put together. Um, I love vintage things. So what inspired you to go in that direction? I don't know. I guess the question I asked myself was like, oh, what would like really impress my like younger self, like my teenager little kid self if I did it? And I thought uh, it'd be really cool if I made a comic book. So I just took the skills that I had. And I luckily I'm friends with a lot of really talented comic artists who acted as my editors on this project. And I just decided, decided to make like the cool, like weird sci-fi floppy comic that I wish that I had had when I was a little kid. So it was a lot of fun. Um, the degree path that I did, I studied making comics a little bit, but I mostly studied um, printmaking and uh, bookmaking. So making and designing the book and printing it was actually a big part of the process. I can see some of that shining through, especially with how you've binded it together. Yep, a little handmade touch. Mm-hmm. Everyone's like, you're really going to hand bind all those? And I'm like, yeah. So I just am really into drawing and I like studying it in different forms. And um, doing a comic was just an extension of that for me, I think. Uh, how would you define your style? I like to do these anthropomorphic characters. They're like half person, half cat. Uh, it kind of comes from me enjoying like anime and manga and in that genre, there's this trope of the cat girl, which is like the perfect, cute, like girlfriend character. So when I was in college, uh, me and a friend started doing this thing where we would take the trope of that cat girl character, but then kind of put them in like really sort of mundane, almost like gross situations where it's like, oh, what if there's this anime cat girl, but she's like at a filthy bus stop <laughs> or she's like cleaning a hideous kitchen or something like that. And it just made this really fun juxtaposition that I have just totally like um, fallen in love with. Uh, I try to make my stuff pretty like down to earth. I really like when my drawings feel very um, familiar and lived in, uh, which I think makes it fun when I write like sci-fi kind of stuff or um, fantasy kind of stuff because it's combining like a very uh, realistic lived in world with sort of a out of this world concept. What would you say are your greatest sources of inspiration? Uh, the comic books I read as a kid, so like Calvin and Hobbes especially was something I was really into. And then as a teenager, I read a lot of uh, mangas like um, 
Akira and Death Note and uh, stuff like that. And, and that just kind of gave me this appreciation for like how like really beautiful and artistic making comics can be. Um, from there, I just, you know, I have a lot of fine art influences too for my education of art and history. One of my favorite painters is um, Philip Gustin, who had a period where he did these really interesting uh, paintings with um, cartoon figures. Um, other than that, I would say I tend to get the most inspiration from when I'm just out in the world and I see something that's kind of like weird or memorable and I'll like take a picture of it and go home later and uh, draw something about it. So what is your creative process like? I'm just always filling sketchbooks. Sometimes I'm going through them really quickly. Sometimes it takes me a lot longer. And usually I, I keep all of those sketchbooks. I really like treasure them because then when I want to do something that's more involved, like um, I want to do a screen print, I want to do a relief print, I want to make a comic, I go back to my sketchbook and look at my notes, look at my little drawings and see how I can kind of take those and expand on them, put more time into them and um, turn them into something else. Why did you choose to do some blue and green hues and flyover? Flyover is printed uh, through a process called risograph printing. So we had a, a risograph printer at my college, and I used it a lot because it's a lot of fun to work with. And I knew that this, the mint green and the blue colors that we had for that printer went really well together. So I choose I chose to do those because I think I thought that they created a really nice like um, late winter early spring type of uh, shade and I could actually get a lot of depth out of them when I layer them over each other. And I can definitely tell some of the Great Lakes visuals and representations are coming out with the trees and yeah yeah really inspired by um you know driving between uh, Minneapolis and like Milwaukee and Madison and just paying attention to all the stuff you see on uh, on I-94 over there and and on the, uh, on the coast of Lake Michigan, yeah. Whenever I'm around that area, I try to, like, get close to the lake and, like, I don't know, just think about, like, what that area looked like 200 years ago and maybe what it'll look like that same amount of time in the future. Even though I grew up in Madison, Wisconsin, which is close by Lake Michigan, uh, when I was growing up, because we were far away from the tribe, I didn't really have that perspective of, like, how are people related to the Great Lakes. My mom would try to explain it to me when she was a kid. I think she did the best that she could. But basically what I wanted to do with this story was talk about something that I think a lot of people my age have experienced or just a lot of people in our tribe have experienced is uh, growing up kind of not having that perspective and then gaining it as an adult um, and trying to like relearn about the world around you uh, through the perspective of, of, you know, relationships to the land and like what our ancestors have lived through. How did you pick those specific oral traditions to include in this comic book? I guess because those are just the ones that I was familiar with. Um, when I was a kid, my mom, uh, I remember we were in northern Wisconsin, and there's a place up there called Fort Follavant, which is uh, basically a, a historical site that's a recreation. I don't know if it's a recreation or an actual, like, preserved um French voyageur like trading post and so you go there and there's all these people who talk about the history of the voyageurs and the Native Americans and like the trading routes and like the fur trade and all that stuff and uh, when I was up there I remember being as a kid and my mom being like you know the Potawatomi we would put maple sugar in all our food and all our food like would have that like maple flavor in it 
And I was like, that's insane. <laughs> because, of course, my perspective as an American was like that sugar was like this sweet thing. But now I understand like, oh, maple sugar actually has a lot of like vitamins and nutrients in it. It's this really important thing. That, and this is how it's harvested. And as I was learning about that, I learned the story of um, uh, Nanabojo and the ma- sugar maples. Um, and that one stuck out to me just because I thought it was really funny. And it's an example of like, a story that um, I think is good for like kids and like younger people to understand like the relationship between, um, you know, people in the land and, and that give and take. And so I chose to take that and kind of like extrapolate it out into this um, climate change scenario and like how these people were affected by it. So I, I definitely, um, as I go forward and make more comics in the future, I'm interested in just exploring like, Kind of the trajectory it seems like our uh, world is on with the way that, you know, climate change and um, politics is affecting everything and just sort of looking at that from a sort of grounded, humble, I guess, worldview of how how people are dealing with it. Well, what do you hope people take away from Flyover? I guess I would hope that it makes them kind of think about the world around them a little bit more and maybe like take interest in some different science concepts, maybe like mycology, or maybe um, if they're Potawatomi, it makes them interested in the oral history, it makes them interested in, you know, the ecology of the Great Lakes, um, and stuff like that. What does it mean for you as a Potawatomi to be able to represent your heritage and culture and what you do? I think it just means that I get to reach the audience that I already have through my comic and artwork, but mm, sort of educate them about the history that they don't know about their own like land that they live on and give them a different perspective as to how the world works because you know we have our own perspective of like history culture math and science Um, we have all these concepts of our own you know just find cool new artwork that they can be obsessed with. (laughs) Lincecum's next steps include focusing on learning the Potawatomi language with the goal of releasing another comic book entirely in Bodewabmi Mwen. You can find Lincecum online at lanelincecum.com or on Twitter and Instagram at UglyGirlSwag. Purchase Flyover and other art from Lincecum at cpn.news backslash Lincecum. That's L-I-N-E-C-U-M. Citizen Potawatomi Nation announced the exciting beginning of professional sports for Potawatomi County with the announcement of Potawatomi Fire Basketball. At a press conference inside Fire Lake Arena on September 29th, CPN Chairman John Rocky Barrett welcomed the league with open arms. The basketball league offers us a great opportunity here at the Citizen Potawatomi Nation. We are the first tribe uh, to own a team in the league. It is a growing professional league quality basketball to to, uh, cities across the country, and we are particularly proud to be associated with TBL. The Fire will play home games at Fire Lake Arena on a brand new professional Maplewood court. The venue seats more than 3,000 fans, and the TBL season includes 12 home games with preseason and playoff games as well. New fire coach Derek Rollins has been with the league since its inception, coaching the Albany Patroons in New York and leading them to a TBL championship in 2019. He jumped at the chance to help establish a team in Indian country. History is definitely being made today and it feels great to be a part of history. 
Uh, I'm very, very excited for this opportunity, uh, and I'm looking forward to it. Fire Lake Arena director David Qualls suggested the idea of a professional sports team to tribal leadership, not only for the fiscal and economic impact of new jobs in the area, but also the chance to impact the surrounding community with positive role models for youth through school visits and basketball clinics. It's exciting because it's the first thing to come to the nation in a professional sports matter that involves the community and gives us a well-rounded family entertainment program right here at home. Chairman Barrett and Vice Chairman Linda Capps saw the potential in the idea, including the chance to keep sports talent in the United States. TBL offers former college and NBA players the chance to continue their careers here. The first player welcomed to the team is Anthony Allen Jr., a seven-foot-tall center and former Oklahoma State University player. He remembers the influence and inspiration of meeting and interacting with players as a high schooler in Connecticut. Took somebody, not even a professional, it was a, somebody who went to a junior college to come back to our high school and talk to us. and That really focused me and really gave me the push to become a basketball player. So once I, once I got into that role, it's, it was a no-brainer to go back and give back to the community. Plus, basketball is just fun. The arrival of the Pottawatomie Fire brings another source of affordable, high-quality family entertainment to Pottawatomie County and the surrounding area from the citizen Pottawatomie Nation. Qualls said naming the team was a no-brainer. What a, what a perfect moniker to be the Pottawatomie Fire. You know, our brand, our name, and, and, and our enterprises are branded as Fire Lake. The Enid Outlaws are the other TBL team in Oklahoma and the 2021 TBL National Champions. In addition to the Outlaws, other TBL teams in the region include Texas franchises in Dallas, Rockwall, Houston, Beaumont, and Waco. Allen looks forward to returning to Oklahoma and playing for the league. I'm just beyond gracious and humble to be a part of it. Um, I just want to do a good, as good a job as possible so anything that we do going forward will reflect good on the tribe as well. Find out more about the Basketball League at thebasketballleague.net. Visit Fire Lake Arena online at firelakearena.com or on Facebook at Fire Lake Arena. Tribal members Kobe and Steve Lawson took on the challenge of hiking to the highest point in the contiguous United States, Mount Whitney in California. And they took Hanukkah Podcast along for the ride. All right, about to start. It says Mount Whitney 60 miles. I've been told it's 70. <laughs> <laughs> we got a long way to go. The Lawfram Boys family descendants feel connected to nature and Mother Earth, and both of them enjoy almost any outdoor activity. Kobe believes that love comes from his Potawatomi heritage. I'd say like, I really started connecting with it whenever um, I was in middle school and like I started spending more time outdoors and getting into hunting and, and fishing and all of that and kind of realizing that that's how my ancestors lived back then. 
The two hiked through Sequoia National Park along the John Muir and Mount Whitney trails. The summit sits at an elevation of 14,505 feet, and Kobe admits the challenge of hiking 10 to 15 miles a day for a week intimidated him at first. I thought it was insane. I was like, how do people go hike 80 miles, you know, to the top of this mountain? Like, I would never do something like that. And, um, you know, my dad, he immediately, like, fell in love with the idea of doing it. And I think he saw it as a challenge for him um, to do that before he turned 60 years old. Once they agreed to take the trip in 2019, Kobe trained three to five days a week for two years, and it paid off and allowed them to push themselves. I mean, there were a couple days where we had 5,000 feet of elevation gain, and uh, we would leave one area, and we'd be hiking for an hour, and we'd look down and check. We, we had a, a satellite, like a GPS with us, and we could check you know, how far we'd gone, It'd been an hour and we'd only gone one mile. Home to some of the world's most beautiful scenery, Sequoia National Park and the Sierra Nevada Mountain Range attracts visitors from all over. Kobe called it a once-in-a-lifetime experience. Really getting out there and not just staying in the park and on the roads and looking at everything, you get a completely different experience, you know, actually heading out into the backcountry uh, away from everyone. On day one of their journey, Steve and Kobe stumbled upon a black bear after hiking for only a couple of hours. After leading for a while, I let Dad take over so we could maintain a more manageable, slow pace. We were focused on the trail when all of a sudden Dad stopped and said, Oh crap, bear! I looked up and a bear was no more than 15 steps right in front of us, right on the trail. We stopped and snapped a few photos as she glared at us menacingly. She started up the hill and noticed she had a cub in tow. The two cinnamon-colored bears climbed up the hill and out of sight. The next day, they hit one of the country's preeminent hiking destinations, Precipice Lake. The crystal clear water reflects back the vertical granite cliffs, creating a stunning mirror effect. What do you Thank think? you, Kobe, for convincing me to take this extra 2,000 feet of elevation gain. It's been well worth it. It's the most beautiful lake I've ever seen. California wildfires hit Sequoia National Park last year, and on their fourth day, the Lawsons hiked for almost two hours through parts of the forest blackened and ravaged by heat and flames. Finally just got back into the forest with tall green trees for the last four miles. Walked through an area that burned last year. Every single tree completely burnt up. Most of them are still standing. Some of them tipped over and completely burnt a giant hole in the ground, so you really have to watch your step. Fishing together is one of their favorite activities. Kobe will always cherish throwing lines and couching trout in the pristine creeks and small rivers throughout the mountains. Oh, yeah. Oh, it's a beauty. That's the big end, too. Oh, man. After seven days, they reached the peak. trail crest we're on our way up to the top of Mount Whitney it's freezing cold winds are blowing probably 20 30 miles an hour and we just got to watch the sunrise from the from the top of the mountain 
And so that that feeling of accomplishment, you know, we've been talking about doing this and watching videos and training for it for two years and finally be, being there was just a completely surreal experience. The two also recognized their larger CPN family when they summited. They marked the small research shack at the top of the mountain with a large tribal seal sticker next to others from countries, schools, and organizations around the world. I just uh, thought it would be cool to kind of display my heritage or to, to, to show that um, someone from the Potawatomi Nation had, had accomplished something like that. I hope that it inspires somebody else from the tribe to go, uh, to go and try it. Um, I'd love to see another sticker right next to that one up there. Kobe hopes to continue the tradition and climb Mount Whitney with his two sons someday. See more about the trip on Kobe Lawson's Instagram account at high underscore Sierra underscore trail underscore 21. It's time for learning language when CPN Language Department Director Justin Neely joins us to teach vocabulary, songs, stories, and more. Okay, this section is on drinks. Manakwe wenin, drinks. Manakwe means he or she drinks. Manakwe. Gashkana bagwe. Gashkana bagwe means he or she is thirsty. Gashkana bagwe. Most drinks will end in abo, nabo, wabo, or some form of abo which indicates they're liquids. Some soups also end with an abo or wabo. Anjes babo, anjes babo, orange juice. Anjes babo, bokman nabo, bokman nabo, cranberry juice. Bokman nabo, mshim nabo, mshim nabo, apple juice. Mshim nabo, ziwabo, ziwabo, cider, ziwabo. Wishkababo, wishkababo, pop, any type of pop. Wishkababo, could even be like uh, Kool-Aid, so literally a sweet drink. Shomnabo, shomnabo, grape juice, shomnabo. Nonakneabo, nonakneabo, milk, nonakneabo. In some communities, they'll say nonagnabo, nonagnabo. Tea, tea, or tea. Tea, copy, copy, coffee, copy. And then kukshayabo, kukshayabo is cowboy coffee or cowboy over the coals of a fire. Literally like ash drink. Kukshayabo, kukshayabo. Mbish, mbish, water. Again, that M on the front is really not said real loud. Mbish, mbish. Numquawin. Numquawin, fruit drink, numquawin. Komabo, makomabo, ice water, makomabo. Shkodewabo, shkodewabo, whiskey, literally fire water, shkodewabo. Shomnabo, shomnabo, wine, but it can also be used for grape juice, it's obviously it comes from grapes. Shomnabo, and that's it for drinks. Aha, yo. For more information and opportunities with language, including self-paced classes, visit cpn.news backslash language. You can find an online dictionary at potawatomidictionary.com, as well as videos on YouTube. There are also Potawatomi courses on the language learning app, Memrise. 
Hanukkah Podcast is produced and brought to you by Citizen Potawatomi Nation's Public Information Department. Our director is Jennifer Bell. Don't forget to subscribe to us on SoundCloud, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and wherever you find what you listen to. We're also on Facebook at Citizen Potawatomi Nation and on Twitter at C underscore P underscore N. Visit us on the web and find digital editions of the tribal newspaper at Potawatomi.org. That's P-O-T-A-W-A-T-O-M-I dot org. Until next time, I'm Paige Willett. Miigwech Nikanek, Balamina. Thank you, friends. See you later.